everybody, and welcome back to Spill the D. I'm Gina. I'm your host, joined here by my wonderful co-host, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? You're such a liar. You're over here sniffling and sneezing and coughing up a storm. Yeah, but besides that, I'm doing all right. All right, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm doing all right, too. That's good. Surrounded by sick people, but besides that, I'm doing good. Surrounded? Surrounded. Between your cold, Vanessa's knee, everyone's a hot mess around That's here not, right She's now. not sick. I swear our dogs are moping around. Flora's had a cough for days. She always has that. That's our dog. Well, <laughs> okay, guys, we are back. Today, we are going to be telling you the history of Disney's Expedition Everest. Ooh. I'm excited for this. <laughs> I learned a lot doing this research. Things that I thought that I knew as fact turned out to be wrong. That's why we do these things. I know. This is fun. But before we go into our history of Expedition Everest, we have some exciting Disney news. Lots of good stuff this week. It is lots of good stuff. And it didn't come out immediately after the episode was posted like it normally does. <laughs> So, first things first, you no longer are going to need a park reservation starting January 9th of next year. That is so exciting. That is very exciting. Because, say you have a, you're trying to get on a certain ride, like say you're trying to get on Tron or Guardians on your trip, and you don't get on the one day that you're trying now, you can just do another day there. You can just switch it and, and do another day there. Yeah. And try to get on the next time, which you haven't been able to do in a while, so. Yeah, I mean... Technically, the parks usually aren't like totally sold out. So if you do wake up in the morning and you want to switch your reservation, it's not a total problem. But like, this is going to be really great for like holidays and those really crowded times at yeah. Disney when you do just want that freedom back. Also, it's one less thing you have to do leading up to your trip. True. That's the huge thing to me for people who are planning a trip themselves, for our vacation planners at 407, for how much work they need to do leading up to the trip. Like, it's going to make a big difference to make everybody's lives easier. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about the one we've all been waiting for. <laughs> Go for it. Disney is bringing back the dining plan. All right. All right. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, the dining plan is something that you can add on to your package when you book a vacation package through Disney. And basically, you're prepaying for all your meals. Not going to lie, in the past, unless you get literally the most expensive thing on every menu, it's not like a giant steal of a deal. It ends up being about what you would have spent anyway, if not a little bit more, but it's the convenience factor. Rick and I did it, and we actually kept track to see if we spent more or less than what we would have by prepaying for the dining plan, and I believe we just about broke even. I think we might have... I think we were a little short, but not enough that it was a problem. Be- oh, because we ended up leaving with just like snacks from the store, because we didn't do enough snacks. Yeah. I think everybody does, basically. Yeah. It is just so nice to just have to, like, give them your magic band and be good to go on food. Great for maybe families that have teenagers who are running around the park by themselves. The parents know that their kids are fine as far as, like, food and stuff goes because it's, oh, you have two snacks today. Use them on what you want, you know? Definitely enjoyed the convenience. And like I said, we came pretty close to breaking even, so. Yeah, so that is going to be coming back also after January 9th of 2024. But they did announce that... Starting May 31st of this year, so just a few weeks away, you can start booking your 2024 vacations. So this is going to be able to be added on very soon. So another good bit of news for anyone staying on Disney property. As of right now, they're saying that extra morning hours for people staying on property is going to be continuing through 2024, which at least for now seems to be kind of indefinite. Don't really see an end in sight, which is good because the extra hours are always good. 
Yeah, it's that 30 minutes before the park opens, mm-hmm. and we've been able to get a lot done in that 30 minutes. It makes a difference. We've done like three or four rides in that time period. Yeah, <laughs> if you pick the right rides and you get there early enough, you really can make some magic happen. It's pretty nice. Yeah, definitely. Also, just my personal opinion, this is obviously not a fact, but like, I don't see them getting rid of this unless they replace it with something. Yeah, I guess. Because it's one of those things that hotel guests are going to get accustomed to, so it's like hard to just take away. So I think unless they were to switch back to the extra magic hours that they used to have where Mm -hmm. it would be certain parks, but it would be for an hour yeah, or two hours at the end of the day, that kind of thing. Unless they were to switch back to that, I don't see this going away. Yeah. I was not surprised to see that it was going to be continuing into 2024. Definitely. And our last piece of news. So this one is kind of a uh, open-ended one. It's a Disney said, here's a spoiler at what's coming in the future. Ooh. So the spoiler is that they are currently working on ways to make the Genie Plus service easier so that guests can plan for their trips ahead of time using it. So currently you need to book everything in the morning at 7 a.m. Yeah. You buy it at some point before 7 a.m. and then start booking at 7 a.m. And honestly, people hate it. I don't mind it because you can kind of like make your decision daily, but, like, the part that people really don't like is you're forced to get up that early on your vacation if it's something you want. Yeah, I mean, I personally don't mind it because we're up at that time anyway because we're rope droppers. Mm-hmm. So, for us, it, it's not really the worst thing in the world that we have to be up at 7, but I do understand why people might be a little bit upset about it. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, it gets my morning going. I'm not a morning person. Yeah, like gives you a reason to get up besides just going to the parks. It makes my brain start working earlier. How oh, yeah. you can just get up and get going and you're good to go. Yeah. Like, I need something to like get my brain going. <laughs> and that works really well for me. But I'm excited to see what they do to make it easier because I also, thinking back, really did like having FastPass already done months before your vacation. Like you woke up and you tried to get it those days in advance. Yeah. And it was, first of all, fun to do. It was a way to get excited about your vacation. Mm -hmm. One more thing to get you excited leading up to it. But also, it was done. And you didn't have to worry about it until you finished those three rides. And then you had to pick another. Like, it was very nice in that aspect. So, I'm excited to see what they do with it to help make Genie Plus easier for the planning process. Yeah, I'm excited too. Before we get into the episode, if you want to take advantage of any of these, the dining plan any of the extra hours, maybe even Genie Plus if it gets better in the future. We are definitely going to recommend 407 and Beyond Vacation Companies. 407 and Beyond Vacation Company is a Disney and Universal Orlando travel agency. They book and plan family vacations to destinations such as Walt Disney World, Universal Orlando, Disney Cruise Line, and a lot of other places, to be honest. Uh, more and more by the day. More and more like by the they're day, They're constantly yeah. getting more on their, their repertoire. Yeah. Um, Is word for that? I think so. Okay, I'm sorry, keep going. <laughs> and fortunately for you guys, it doesn't cost anything extra to book with them. Their services are 100% free. Vacation planners help plan their clients' perfect family vacations, so all they have to do is show up, have fun, and create family memories. You can get a free no-obligation quote at www.407vacations.com. 2024 is coming in hot. If that's something you're interested in, reach out to them now. They can get you ready. They can keep you in mind for when it's time to start booking, uh-huh. get you quotes, whatever you need so that you can book your family vacation. Yeah, book it now. Give yourself something to get excited for. Also, if you book it now, you only have to put $200 down if you do a vacation package. That's so, like, nothing. By booking it now, you can pay as you go. Like If you mm-hmm. want to put 
$50 on from every paycheck you get from now until leading up to your trip, you can do that. Yeah, it makes it seem much more affordable when you do it a little bit at a time over a longer period. So definitely get planning as soon as you can. And speaking of our friends at 407 and Beyond Vacation Co., here is our 407 and Beyond Vacation Planner Tip of the Week. This week it is coming from Libby, here to tell you a little bit about Genie Plus. All right, everybody, we're here with Libby in Hollywood Studios, so if you hear Woody in the background, I'm not sorry, because that's awesome. So, (laughs) Libby, what is your Disney Parks tip? Definitely purchase the Genie Plus so you can book lightning lanes. Disneyland, you can book them in advance with your vacation package and tickets, whether it's tickets only or hotel and tickets. And then Walt Disney World, it is a day of purchase in the, via the My Disney Experience app. But get it. It is a time saver. It You know, on days it fluctuates in prices, but it is worth every penny because you are saving time going, not having to wait in long lines. And I was here with Spring Break crowds about last week, and... We did not wait longer than 10, 15 minutes. We had three little ones with us, and that was very key, very important to us. And wait times were easily minimum 45 to 60 minutes. So it's a time saver. Purchase Genie Plus. I'm going to piggyback off that one, too. You said the price can fluctuate. Budget that it's going to be 30 per day per person, and then beautiful. If it's not, now you have extra money to spend in the park. But because you have to buy it that morning, I would say definitely budget for it, and then you might just have extra money for more ice creams. Exactly. And you won't know that price until you go to purchase it. It can be as low as $15. It can be as high as $29, I think, is the cap. And it's been 25 to 29 during the spring break crowds. So higher times, um, you know, more popular times, it is going to be that higher price point. But do make sure to budget out for that $30 per person per day. Different for Disneyland, but make sure that you purchase that Disney Genie Plus because it's a time saver. It's worth it. And um, what you're saying, day up, you can literally get it at midnight that night. I know I'm a night person, so I buy it that way in the morning. All I have to do is wake up and pick the ride at 7 a.m. and then I go back to sleep for a little bit. And another bonus that they added recently, you get the photos with Genie Plus too. You get all your ride photos. And I personally love a ride photo, so I think that's so worth it. Oh yeah, if you don't have Memory Maker and you get Genie Plus, you do get those ride photos. Same with Disneyland. All right, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hope that was helpful. Wanted to get Libby's in here before they change everything about Genie Plus. (laughs) So for now... What she's saying is totally accurate. Yeah, if you're listening <laughs> to this two years from now, that's outdated. But we don't we don't know because they just told us that they're gonna change it, but didn't tell us how. So, yeah. so for now, this is really good. Yeah, thanks, good Libby. <laughs> thanks, Libby. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Expedition Everest. We're gonna give you guys the Disney history or the history, if you will. And I'm pretty excited for this one. I actually really love this ride. Yeah, this is one of your favorites, isn't it? It is one of my favorites. I just feel like it's so underrated. I think it's properly rated. I think it used to be one of the best rides. And as they've added other rides, I feel like it's kind of fallen down the ladder a little bit. I can respect that. It's okay. It's not my favorite. It's probably my third favorite in Animal Kingdom at this point. After Flight of Passage number one, Dinosaur number two? Yeah. Okay. I go back and forth on if Expedition Everest or Dinosaur is my favorite, so. That's right. I also very much enjoy the Rapids. Oh, I love the Rapids! I forgot if we're counting about the Rapids. those. <laughs> I love a good Rapids ride. Uh, those aren't quite in the same, the same boat as, as Everest and Dinosaur. And... But they should be. Oh, in the same boat, I get it. I was like, why did <laughs> Took he- Took you a second. <laughs> I was like, why did he just point at me? You'll get that one on the ride home. <laughs> 
straight over the head. <laughs> but no, but what I mean by it being underrated, I mean based off the line. Fair. The queue time. Like, you only wait. If it's 45 minutes for Everest, that's a long line for Everest. It's yeah. not normally that long. It usually is like 20 minutes. And if it is long... They're one of the few rides left with a single rider line. That's true. And I love that single rider line. Yeah. It's just crazy how how things change over time because I remember going when I was younger with my family and we waited like two plus hours for Everest. And the last time we were there, we rode it like four times in a row. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just crazy to see how things change over time. And like I said, that's just because they have other rides and other attractions coming into the parks and doesn't make it a bad ride, just makes it not as new. Well, and I think part of it, too, it's in Animal Kingdom. And for some reason, a lot of people consider Animal Kingdom a half-day park. I think those people are incorrect. I think Animal Kingdom is a full-day park, especially if you really take the time to slow down and look at it all. And take in all of the storytelling that Animal Kingdom has. Yeah. It is totally a full-day park. So I think that's a factor because when people hear that, if they've never been to Disney, I think that turns them away from going there if they need to cut a park. Yeah, I think the issue with it being a quote-unquote half-day park is people that call it a half-day park, whether they admit that this is why they're doing it or not, I think it's solely because they're thinking about the rides. Mm -hmm. Because if you hit the rides right, like if you get there early and you ride Flight of Passage right away, you can definitely get the rest of the park done in a half a day. The and ride, that's rest the, of the ride. That's, yeah, done. the ride. You can get the rest of the rides in the park done in a half a day, and I think that's where that notion of a half a day mm-hmm. park comes from. Which again, not accurate because, like you said, there's so many other stories and shows and everything to go through that it really isn't isn't a half day park by any means. I agree. And then the other reason that I think it also is lower, like you just said, Flight of Passage. That's going to take the biggest crowds. Yeah. That's going to take the majority of the lines. And I think a lot of the people who do go to Animal Kingdom tend to be people with kids who think oh, my kid's going to want to see the animals and they want to get on the safari with their kids. They want to do the Gorilla Falls track. They want to do all of those things with their kids. They're not looking to get on a roller coaster where their kids need to be 44 inches. Yeah. Which is, that's pretty tall. Yeah, definitely. So I think that might be a factor in it with all of the new rides and things like you said that as well. So there's a lot of factors, but I don't think it takes away from how amazing that this roller coaster is. And I really do think it is a hidden gem that is hidden in plain sight. (laughs) It really is, especially if you take the time to slow down and take in this story that we're going to tell you about in a few minutes because yeah. it's a pretty intense story. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I had some of it wrong and I've taken the time to go through and take in the story, especially on days when it's not crowded at all and you can really walk slow through the queue. So I'm really excited to like fully tell the story. Yeah, I will say as much as I'm not the biggest fan of the ride the queue is one of my favorites it's a really cool queue. yeah they have a lot of really cool stuff in the queue yeah i agree so let's go with a little bit of background on it so like i said it is in disney's animal kingdom so animal kingdom opened in 1998 and it only had two rides at the time with the idea that more was coming that was what they teased to their guests and the two that they had can you guess them did you read it already? I did read it already. Oh, uh, okay. The two that they had were the Kilimanjaro Safari uh-huh. and Countdown to Extinction, which later became known as Dinosaur. Those definitely would not have been my guess. Safari, I feel like, would have been a guess, and I, I don't know where I would have gone with the second one, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Well, they had a lot of shows, too. Yeah. So a lot of the shows, um, some of them just really had the bird show. That was one of the ones that was their opening day. 
Obviously, Pandora was not there. That just opened in recent years. Wow. Not as recent as you think, though. No, like six years. More than that? Wasn't it like 2015? Um, It opened, like, what, two years before we went? A year before we went with Brian and Ellie? So that would put it like 2016, right? Uh, 2017. Okay, that makes sense. We were, it was only open a year when we went. Yeah. Um, yes, May of 2017. So that wasn't there. What there was supposed to be was a whole section over there, mythical creatures. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So actually, if you look at like some of the old signs, um, benches, maybe the signs pointing in different directions around the park, and they have the Animal Kingdom logos above it, and they have silhouettes of different animals. There's a dragon on there because that's part of what was supposed to be in the park. That's really cool. And because it cost way more than they were expecting to be the home for all of the animals on the safari, they had to pick between Dino <laughs> Land and this mythical creature land. Gotcha. And the plan was they would pick one and then do the other one later. Never got to the other they one. They never got to the other <laughs> one. They didn't end up doing it. But... Expedition Everest kind of fills that quota of mythical creatures, depending on what your opinion on a Yeti is. Kind of. Kind Not of. doesn't quite scratch the itch, but it's there. What's your opinion on the Yeti? Well, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I mean, the Yeti's real for sure, but like, obviously, um, it does. Like, even if you think the Yeti's not real, I still, I still think it wouldn't scratch the itch of the mythical creatures because there's so it's, many other ones that I would want. <laughs> it's not the same as riding on the back of a unicorn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. I got what you mean. That was '98. By '99, they had opened one of our favorites, the Kali River Rapids, and. 2002, Primeval Whirl, which was the first roller coaster at Animal Kingdom. Okay. Which is now closed. Darn. I liked that one. I don't remember that one, to be honest. Oh, it was in Dino Land. It was, it was kind of like the mousetrap kind of ride, except your seat's oh, fun. Oh, okay, I do remember that yeah, one. Yeah, you like that one, right? Eh. You could stick on spinny things. I, I'm just not a huge fan of the whole mousetrap track. I'm not normally either, but the fact that the, the seat spun made it fun to me. I can understand that. Yeah. And that brings us to 2003 where Expedition Everest is announced in order to celebrate Animal Kingdom's fifth anniversary. It was actually secretly in development for three years before that. Can you imagine if Disney tried to like secretly do something like that nowadays? Impossible. They would not be able to do it. No. First of all, they don't keep anything a secret anymore, which I know is probably an exaggeration, but like you go to the D23 and... They announce things that are just like pipe dreams in the works. Yeah. Like maybe a villain's land in Magic Kingdom. Like yeah. that is not in development fully. Like there's no groundbreaking. That's just like a, hey, we kind of want to do this one day. Yeah. As far as we know, there could be a yeah. whole development team going on. But that's the way that it was announced uh was, hey, look at this thing that could happen. Yeah. Hey, we could put Coco over here. And it's like, okay. <laughs> but like they hid this for three years. Yeah. Before they even announced it. Before they even announced it. And they, I'm sure people started to figure it out. It was a month before it was announced that they started doing the construction. Yeah. So people were probably like, hmm, what's going on? Yeah. And then if, if you really want to put it into perspective about how kind of advanced and a lot of how much planning it took for this, it didn't even open until three years after the announcement on uh, April 7th in 2006. So that's six years worth of planning and building that it took for them to make this coaster, which... For a lot of reasons, uh, understandably, it being one of the first roller coasters that went forward and backwards. 
at least in Disney World. There was one before that that went just backwards. That was the Indiana Jones ride, which I believe is in Tokyo. Paris. Paris. But I don't think that went forward and backwards at the same time. I think that one just went that backwards. That one just went backwards. This was the first one that went forward and backwards in the same ride. It's so cool. Yeah. Spoiler alert for this one, by the way, guys. If you've never been on the ride, you're going to know <laughs> everything that happens. In yes. It. Sorry. <laughs> so Joe Rohde, who is one of the most famous Imagineers, if you don't know who I'm talking about, you've probably seen him. He's the Imagineer with the giant dangling earring. Mm. You know who I'm talking about now? Yeah, if you've watched uh, literally what, what anything. Is it, the Imagineering story, he's in there a lot. He's in the Imagineering story a lot. He's in Behind the Attraction. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking. That one's a good one too. Um, basically anything that is Animal Kingdom related, he has had a hand in, including building Animal Kingdom as a whole. Yeah, he had a giant hand in Pandora, World of Avatar. So he is definitely a pretty big name when it comes to Imagineering. Um, and he was who was responsible for designing Everest. He was the executive designer on it. Go him. Yeah. So part of that was that they actually took the Imagineers and took them on an expedition. I love that they do this. I do too. So they visited a Tibetan town to get inspirations for the ride. And while they were there, they bought more than 8,000 props and artifacts, mostly from Nepal, to decorate the queue of the ride. Which is part of what makes the queue so cool is like, you understand that all that stuff is authentic and it's really, it's really cool to see when you're going through. Like you can feel that it's authentic when yeah. you're there. So like we said, they bought over 8,000 artifacts and props. Uh, these included Yeti dolls, antique Chinese ceramics, waterproof barrels, a Manny Rimdu dance costume, typically worn by a monk during a two week festival, and a lot of other stuff. I know, and now when I go through, I just want to know, like, what was from there and what wasn't. Yeah. Like, you see the backpacks and stuff, and it's like, okay, well, that, I guess, could have been from, like, Oriental Trading. Yeah. Or was it, like, something that they actually got there? I don't know. Like, the cots that they got, are the cots part of it, or are they from Nepal? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like most of it is probably from Nepal. With 8,000 for that. (laughs) 8,000. Like, it had a good amount of it has to be. Another thing that they did while they were there is Joe Rody actually took a lot of photos. So most of the photos that you see as you're going through, whether it's in like the little museum setup place or maybe where they have like the advertisements, those are real photos that they took while they were there of Mount Everest, of the Tibetan towns, all that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely is. And then just something I need to share about the opening before we go any farther into it. Opening day. The entire High School Musical cast was there to ride the ride. That makes me feel old, that that's the relevant cast of characters that were brought to the opening of this ride. Like, think about what you, like, how old you were and what you were doing when you watched High School Musical for the first time, because I can't be the only one who watched it when it premiered on Disney Channel. Oh, no, I absolutely did. (laughs) And I I know that I was, I felt, I feel like I was super young when I was watching it. Because I remember watching High School Musical 2 when it premiered, and I still felt like I was super young. Do you remember seeing High School Musical 3 in theaters? No. What? Did you not? I don't think I did, actually. Honestly, based off when it came out, you might have been too old to see High School Musical 3 in theaters. I think there was just too large of a gap in between 2 and 3, because 2 I was still really excited about. And then I think there was like a good gap between 2 and 3 that I kind of lost interest. There wasn't a big enough gap that I lost interest. I think, though, 
what I was into as a little girl was different as to what you were into as a little boy. So maybe that was it. I mean, I was a. Yeah, I mean, people grow up, their interests change, social pressures, everything kind of yeah. goes into account there. So, but, um, yeah, I, I, it just makes me feel old. 2006 feels like forever ago. I'm looking it up. So High School Musical came out 2006. So it was big for about a year and they brought him in. And if you want to feel really old, go look up the video of the opening day and see how young they look in it. Zach Efron <laughs> looks like a infant. And him talking about the ride, it just it's a teenage boy talking about a roller coaster yeah. is what it is. And it's so funny. I would love to see a comparison of him then to him now. Because it probably doesn't even look like the same person. No, I don't think he does. He looks really <laughs> different to me. He does, yeah. Also, I looked it up just out of curiosity, and High School Musical came out in 2006. High School Musical 3 was already out by 2008. They literally did them. Really? 6, 7, 8. I wonder why I didn't go see it. Literally, the only thing I can think of is just like, you were too cool once you were a... Uh... It might have been. Yeah. I was a pretty cool kid, so... I wasn't, so I saw it in theaters <laughs> with my Girl Scout troop. <laughs> That's super cool. It's... Cool as it gets, really. So, a few more fun facts before we get into the story about Everest, like what the whole premise of it is. It actually was the most expensive roller coaster, according to Guinness Book of World Records, from 2011 to 2019. It cost them a hundred million dollars to build this roller coaster. That's a lot of money. We have to think about it though. We know it took them six years, and when they were building it, they were using all of this 3D, 4D software that was new at the time. Yeah. Like, it was brand new, so it had to be pretty expensive to be able to use this, to hire the people who knew how to use this, and pay them for six years. Yeah. Things like that cost a lot of money, and that was big aspects into it. Yeah. The crazier part to me is when it finally did get beat, it got beat. Like, usually when, when records like this are broken, it's by a little bit. This one got really badly beaten by Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, which is a super long name, and I didn't realize it was that long, <laughs> uh, in Universal, which actually cost $300 million to build. What if I told you that Hagrid's got beat in 2022? Wouldn't shock me. By Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Fair. Do you want to take a guess at how much it costs to build Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, if it beat Hagrid's at three hundred million dollars, three hundred million is such a large number. Um, I guess I'll have to go probably somewhere around four hundred million. More. Five hundred million. Yes. Five hundred million to build Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. Jeez. It broke the record. By a lot again. By a lot, another two hundred <laughs> million. And it's so funny because when you look at these numbers written down, they don't seem like that big. It's like, oh, just two hundred million more. But it's like, oh, two hundred million more. Like that's life changing money for everybody. <laughs> so much money. So yes, Guardians of the Galaxy beat it, and I couldn't find how much it cost to build Tron. I don't know if that would have been as much. So I am thinking it would have been cheaper. Because there's already one in another Disney park. Fair. So you, that's a big aspect that I'm sure you take out, not having to do blueprints. And yes, like I'm like sure that. there's still ones you have to do, but it's probably more about modifying the ones you already have rather than creating something from scratch. Yeah. It's also probably less as far as Imagineering goes, as far as the people who are thinking of these rides. Yeah. You don't have to pay them because there's not they're not coming up with a new idea. They're copying and pasting an idea. The other thing too is. 
Guardians is a lot more involved, mm-hmm. whereas Tron is mostly just a roller coaster. Guardians has all the projections, it has it's trackless, like it has all this new technology and stuff where it's not trackless. It's not? No, we have this conversation all the time. And if I, I would probably think we've had this conversation on Spill the Day before. Maybe. It's not trackless. It feels trackless. I know. You say that every time. (laughs) (laughs) Guardians is a a roller coaster through and through. Okay. It does spin though, but it's not trackless. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, but go back to what you were saying. I don't know what I was saying. Just that it was more involved than Tron. Tron does have... I don't want to spoil things for you, though. Yeah, don't spoil it. It does have a lot going on. Okay. So I'm interested to see how much it costs. I'm upset that I couldn't find it. If anyone has found it and wants to let me know, please do, because I would like to be able to compare it. But if we're going... The the ones that we know, there's a $400 million difference between Everest and the next one at Walt Disney World. That's crazy. That's insane. So definitely a big deal when it happened. Um, other things about when it happened, like I said, they used a pretty new computer system. It also had one of the quickest coaster lifts when it started. Not anything record-breaking, uh-huh. but for the time, it was really fast how quickly Everest brought you up. I was going to say, coaster lift is the incline yes. at the start? Okay. Yes. So there was a lot of stuff about it when it was new that was like, this is a big deal. Yeah. This coaster is going to be a huge deal. So I think that's pretty cool. There's a lot of really cool stuff that went into it. And then, of course, one of my favorite facts, it is the tallest point at Walt Disney World, standing at 199.9 feet tall. 200 feet needs the light for airplanes, and they didn't want to ruin any kind of illusion with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Another fun fact regarding the height of of Exhibition Everest, which I I found this one to be the like the most interesting fact that I found out of everything on about yeah, because because it's hilarious to me. If Expedition Everest was a real mountain, it would be the fourth highest point in all of Florida. Huh. It's three hundred twenty feet above sea level, which would make it the fourth highest point in Florida, which I think is hilarious. Florida's low. It is. It's, so low. it's just so funny because like around here, like up north, like that wouldn't even touch close to the highest points. Mm-hmm. And in Florida, it's like if it was real, it would be top five. Number one in Florida for the highest points is Britain Hill standing at 345 feet. So not even that far off. No. And just out of curiosity, because we live in Pennsylvania, I was curious at what the highest point in Pennsylvania is. And it stands at 3,213 feet. Just a little taller. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> That's Mount Davis for anyone from Pennsylvania who's wondering. <laughs> Actually, that is a really cool fact. Yeah, I'll give it was, to you. That was a fun one. That's low. Yeah. Whoa. Like, obviously I know that there's mountains and stuff up here and it's flat swampland down there, but it's so interesting actually seeing the numbers. Yeah. So, let's talk about the ride itself. A little bit about it. One of the craziest things when you think about the fact that the ride opened in 2006, Expedition Everest was the last ride Disney has made that was not based off any of their IP, their intellectual property, any of their movies, shows, nothing. This was a strictly from the dome, right out of their brains ride. That's crazy to me. That since 2006, everything has been based off of a movie? Yeah, which I guess is fair, but 
at the same time, it's like, it would be nice to have more rides like this where it wasn't just based off of a movie. It definitely would, but I understand why they do it. Yeah. Because that's what brings the money in. Yeah. Kids want to see characters they know and parents want to see their kids happy. True. So as Disney adults who go often, we're like, oh yeah, give us something original. But like, we're not the family of eight coming in. We're two people coming in. You know? So I get why they do it. But like, also it's, imagine if they just let the Imagineers run wild like they did then. Yeah. This is such a cool concept. And I know a lot of people don't like this, that mm-hmm. that they don't do original rides anymore, that it's all IP. But like I said, I, from a business standpoint, totally understand. Use what you got. You're, you're spending all this money on these movies. Yeah. Why wouldn't you market them like this? Why wouldn't you get people in there like this? Yeah. So totally makes sense to me. When they opened it, again, Expedition Everest, it's a giant mountain. It was the 18th mountain themed attraction that Disney has made. I'm racking my brain right now trying to right. think of the other 17. I tried <laughs> so hard. And I was like, okay, well, like, do they count, like, Splash Mountain for every park that it's in? Like, Space Mountain for every park yeah. that it's in? They have to, right? I, I can't think of 17 other mountains that they've had. Well, and you would count, like, Mount Gushmore, which is at the water parks. Oh, yeah. So that's mountain. Yeah, even still, though. Big like, Thunder Mountain in all the parks that it's in. Splash Mountain, all the parks that it's in. But yeah, I feel like you have to count yeah. each one at each park. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they count like different ones. So like, if they counted, like if they were counting Tower of Terrors before the, the one changed in California to Guardians, they would have had just one Tower of Terror, but now they have two, two, Two drop rides. Yeah, two drop rides, kind of. I don't know. Maybe that's where they're getting their logic from. I just can't think of 17 other mountains, so I can't imagine there's not repeats. See, so I'm looking it up because of how much I'm curious. Uh Uh-huh. And it's counting Frozen Ever After. What? Is that a mountain? I mean, it takes place on a mountain, but it's not like a mountain ride. Okay, I found an article from Theme Park Tours that says the 21 fake mountains that every Disney fan needs to summit. So we have Splash Mountain at Magic Kingdom, Splash Mountain at Disneyland, mm. Big Grizzly Mountain at the Hong Kong Disneyland. It's kind of like a mix of Expedition Everest and Big Thunder Mountain, which is kind of cool. Okay. Mount Gushmore. Ah, go me. <laughs> Step Lizard Beach. Mount Mayday at Typhoon Lagoon. Okay. Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, Magic Kingdom. Splash Mountain, Tokyo Disneyland. Okay, so this is counting each of them individually. Yeah. Big Thunder Mountain at Disneyland. Big Thunder Mountain at Tokyo Disneyland. Grizzly Peak at Disney's California Adventure. That is actually a Rapids ride. Okay. Space Mountain at Disneyland. Space Mountain at Tokyo Disneyland. Space Mountain at Hong Kong Disneyland. Cadillac Mountain Range at Disney California Adventure. Is that Cars Land? That's Cars Land. Okay. The Matterhorn at Disneyland, obviously. Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris. Mount Prometheus at Tokyo Disney Sea. The volcano. I want to go to to that one. Okay. Sounds like fun. Space Mountain at Magic Kingdom, Big Thunder Mountain, Magic Kingdom, Big Thunder Mountain, Disneyland Paris, and the Forbidden Mountain at Disney's Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Expedition Everest. All right. So there's 21. So they do count them each individually. Yeah. <laughs> so it was number 18 at the time. Uh-huh. So three more have opened since. Well, yeah, if we're counting further than ever after. <laughs> that one didn't say. That article, article didn't say further than ever Interesting. after. Interesting. 
So thank you, Theme Park Tours. We appreciate your help today because we would not have slept. I probably would have found a way. I wouldn't have. He would have <laughs> popped a melatonin. <laughs> okay, so the mountain as a whole, let's talk about building the attraction. First of all, it's a hidden Mickey. The whole thing. The whole thing, if you look at it from the top. That's fun. Isn't it? I wish you could do that. You can go on Google. You can go on Google. But they should do, like, helicopter rides. There is a company that does helicopter rides, and they can get to certain spots. So you probably <laughs> could get pretty close. Like, mm. Disney has a good amount blocked as, like, a no-fly zone. But, yeah. like, they, I guess, probably, like, ride the border. Gotcha. It's located right outside of Disney. <laughs> Literally right outside Disney Springs. Like, the helicopter landed while we were getting gas at the um, 7 Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it is shaped like a giant Mickey. If you look at it from the from the ground, you can kind of see it. If you notice the – there's two spots where it spirals. Spirals? Did I notice that? What's the word I want? It goes around. Usually it, like, goes around down. Spiral. It goes Spiral around works. up. Cool. So there's two spots coming off a mountain where it does that, and that is what makes the ears, and the mountain itself is Mickey's head. Hmm. So a little bit about the ride itself. It's around 4,000 feet of track. And they can get through 2,050 riders per hour. That's 34 a minute. So that means one train a minute. Quick maths. Quick maths. Thank you, calculator. (laughs) So the ride itself is about 2 minutes and 50 seconds, which is a long ride. I'd say so. And partially makes the, when the wait was longer, makes it worth it. Because you hate riding rides that are like a minute and a half long. When you waited three hours for them. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> but makes it a little better when the ride's long. And the max drop of the ride is 80 feet. And it drops you at about 50 miles an hour. That's pretty quick. That is pretty quick. That's pretty close to, like, test track, which is 65. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a big drop. I like that drop. That's when the camera is. Yeah. When you get that big drop, that's when the on-ride camera comes out. So be ready for it. So should we share... The story now, what this full story is that you're going through. Yeah, I think we should because it's not just you're going for a climb on Mount Everest. It's not. And here's where the biggest shock came to me while doing this research. Did you know that the mountain is not Everest? I have heard something about it before, but I just kind of blew it off, I think. Yeah, it was always just like, oh, yeah, that's Everest. That mountain is Everest. It's not. What is it? It's the Forbidden Mountain. The Yeti does not live on Everest. The Yeti lives in the Forbidden Mountain, which is why it's forbidden, because the townspeople don't want you to go on it. That's fair. Yes. And if you look at the Forbidden Mountain from the other side of the lake, you can see Everest in the background. Really, if you look at it from anywhere, you can see it, mm-hmm. but that's, like, the best spot to really be able to see it. Okay. And they used forced perspective to make it so you can see Mount Everest in the background of it. So it looks like this mountain is in the way of you getting to Everest. That's cool. Right? I always thought it was Everest. I mean, the name would lead you to believe that it is. Right? <laughs> Until you hear this full story, yeah. and then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, it's not Everest. So here's the story. We'll tell it as if you, the listener, are going on the ride. Okay. So, you are in the fictional kingdom of Anandapur in a town called Sirka Zong. And you're there because you want to go to Mount Everest. So, when you're walking through 
outside of Expedition Everest, that is what you're walking through is Circa Zong. Mm. While you're there, you meet entrepreneurs Norbu and Bob, who opened a company called Himalayan Escapes. And what that's going to do is help you get to Mount Everest. Okay. So the company was built using buildings that were previously used by the Royal Anandapur Tea Company. So when you're walking around outside of Expedition Everest or when you're in the queue, look around. You'll probably see signs or engravings on the wall that say the Royal Anandapur Tea Company. So basically, these two guys took the resources that were already there and said, let's start a company. And they started the company called Himalayan Escapes. So Himalayan Escapes is what is going to help you get to Mount Everest. And Expedition Everest is actually the name of the trek that's going to take you there. So that's the title of the trek that you're going on. Basically, it's like the package you bought from Himalayan Escapes Tour. It's your excursion. Your excursion title? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I traveled all the way to Anandapur the sad for thing, the excursion. The sad thing for me would be I want to go on Mount Everest, and now I have to. You're telling me I have to go through this mountain to get to Mount Everest. See, but you're just a guest, so you don't really fully understand Fair. that they're taking this shortcut. Fair, because that's what's about to happen. So. When you get there, you're going to see signs all around the Expedition Everest sign that say, beware, tell you to turn around, tell you to go away. One of them even says, respect tradition. And those are the signs from the locals begging you to not go on this trek Mm -hmm. because you're about to go through the Forbidden Mountain. Norbu and Bob are going to take the shortcut to get you there because they're entrepreneurs. They want to get there as quick as possible, make the most money. Yeah, try to make some money. Other ways that they cut corners to make that money, the train that you're about to go on is actually the train that used to take the tea leaves from the top of the mountain and bring them down. It was a steam train that they <laughs> used for the harvest tea leaves. So if you look at the train, you know, there's little hints to that on there. The goal is that they're going to take you to the base camps on Mount Everest. So while you're going through the queue, you're going to go through different buildings, one of which is going to be kind of like your like check-in area. You'll see the desk all set up, and that is where you're supposed to be getting your information, your tickets, whatever you need for the trek. You're going to go through a like Himalayan shrine that they make to the Yeti, which I believe is called a Gumba? I saw that word a few times while doing the research. I don't know if I said it right. I don't know how accurate it is, <laughs> but I believe that's it. It's a Himalayan shrine. You're also going to go past a makeshift museum that has a lot of documents about the Yeti sightings and just different things about the Yeti in the, their culture. So you can learn a little bit as you go through. Um, unfortunately, one of the things that you're also going to see is stories about the Lost Expedition, hmm. which apparently happened in 1982. One of the trains while attempting to reach Everest through the Forbidden Mountain didn't make it. And it was lost and they don't know why or where it went. So that's your first clue that this is probably not the (laughs) best vacation. Yeah, you messed up. You done messed up. (laughs) And then my favorite thing, at the end of the museum, there are two signs on the wall. One is written by the museum's curator and it says, basically, um, do not do this. Don't go on these railroad expeditions. Not safe. Don't do this. We do not recommend this. And then you see another sign shortly after from the expedition company that says that the views of the curator 
don't represent their opinions or views. <laughs> so basically, they're like, go ahead, go on this. It's funny. It is funny. So little details like that are things that you can see throughout to really um, fully understand the ride and fully understand the story of it, why you are going through this mountain, why you might end up seeing the Yeti. And then you hop in your train and you head off to what you think is base camp. On the way there, first we're going to go through this like shrine to the Yeti. Okay. Fun fact, there's bird noises. I think it's a peacock. Interesting. That you're going to hear on the way in because when they were in Nepal and when they were touring, there was a lot of like live birds everywhere. Do you think there was peacocks there or just that was the sound they decided to go with? I don't know. I saw on three different websites that it was a peacock. So I'm just hopeful that that part is accurate. Let me see. Yeah. I mean, apparently, uh, I guess this is some form of peacock. It's called the Indian peafowl pavo cristatus. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's, it's known as one of the most strikingly beautiful birds found in lowland Nepal. So it, it sounds like it's kind of a, a sort of peacock. Okay. So it probably so is sense. a peacock that we're hearing. Yeah. Yeah. So you hear that as you go through because they wanted <laughs> that somewhere in the ride. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then you are at the Forbidden Mountain. So almost immediately you get signs that the Yeti is there. Your track is broken. I'm not going to give you guys a full rundown. In case people haven't been on the ride and want a little bit of a surprise, yeah. but this is where you're going to see all the ponytails, hair ties, oh, whatever yeah. you grew up calling them. This mm-hmm. is where you're going to see all of them. I don't know why people do it. Makes no sense. No one knows why. Me personally, I would hate to lose a hair tie. They're so expensive. <laughs> They're not that expensive, but like still, sometimes you just need them. And I'd be so mad if I needed it. If my, if mine broke later. And you didn't have and one. I didn't have you, one because I threw it on expedition. It's probably ju- it's probably the same thing as what we talked about the other week. How you want to be able to say you climbed Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to say that they lost a hair tie on Mount Everest. There's so many better things to do <laughs> than litter your hair tie. That's my that's my best guess on Mount Everest. I don't understand. <laughs> so then the ride is going to go backwards, and then you're going to see the shadow of a yeti. At this point, we haven't actually seen the yeti. Then it's going to go forward. This is where the big drop comes in. This is where the ride's going to do all those twists and turns in and out of the mountain. Every time you're in the mountain, you're going to hear the Yeti. Yeah. In some way, you're going to have the feeling in your gut that he is there or she is there. I don't actually know. You're going to have the <laughs> feeling in the gut that the Yeti is there guarding the Forbidden Mountain yeah. where you are not supposed to be. And then on the way out, you see it. The Disco Yeti. The Disco Yeti. The Disco Yeti. <laughs> and that is when you are almost, you just narrowly make it past the Yeti. Mm-hmm. You survived. But unfortunately, I don't think you actually make it to that Mount Everest. I don't think so, no. <laughs> I'm going to go with the fact that you panic and leave. But I, that sounds like the best idea. Yeah, I couldn't find anything on if you're technically like at Everest, yeah, at the base know. camp. I'm going to go with the fact that you're not. And here's my logic of why. Okay. When you leave... You are in the, you go right to the gift shop. Yeah. That is the exit. And the gift shop is the Circa Zong Bazaar. And if you remember Circa Zong, yeah, that was the, the town that I said that you started in. Yeah. You're just cutting your losses. Yeah. You're like, cool. Going back to the start. Happy to be alive. (laughs) I'm going to go with the fact that you do not make it to base camp. Fair. You are back at the bazaar where again, Entrepreneurs are capitalizing on 
the Yeti. So you're going to see t-shirts about the Yeti. You're going to see t-shirts about Expedition Everest. You might see like stuffed animals, things like that. Stuff that they're actually selling to you is supposed to be a continuation of the story. They tricked you. They tricked you. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) So that is the full story of Expedition Everest. That's what's going on when you're riding that ride. Chaos. It starts out so nice and then just chaos because you found the Yeti. I'm still kind of upset that you're never actually on Mount Everest, technically. Yeah, no, you're on the (laughs) Forbidden Mountain. But part of that is because they were trying to figure out how big they could make this mountain. They couldn't get the size that they wanted it to be to work because they were trying to use force perspective. Uh But when the train comes out of it, it kills the force perspective and just completely ruin the illusion. So they had to scale it down a lot from gotcha. their original plans, which is probably where the story of the Forbidden Mountain came from. Maybe in early works it was you were on Everest. Uh-huh. But the Forbidden Mountain is technically smaller and just <laughs> in the way. Gotcha. And Everest is behind it. Fair. There's just some things to look out for. And then the last thing I feel like we need to touch on to finish this episode up, the Disco Yeti, as the- previously mentioned. <laughs> So we'll give you the little bit of backstory on the Yeti, and then we'll explain the disco. So the Yeti itself is a 25-foot-tall animatronic. Short. (laughs) Grow a little bit. Um, And it actually moves horizontally, and it can move up to five feet horizontally. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's supported by a structural beam on its back, and then there's a sled under its feet, which is actually where it gets the horizontal movement from. The sled is the is the moving. Very cool. Have you seen it move before? No. Okay, I was curious on if you thought you did. No, I don't think I've ever seen it move. Okay, so <laughs> it broke after only a few weeks <laughs> of being open. It was not a long time. There's a lot of rumors about how it broke. Some say that stress made it break because of the movement, um, and then it split the framing. Okay. Some say that that sled that you were talking about, that that physically broke. But, like, Disney hasn't actually gone out and said how it broke. So or fixed it. Or fixed it. <laughs> they have not fixed it. And there's a few, again, rumors as to why they have not fixed it. But Joe Rohde, again, the creator of Expedition Everest, actually at D23 a few years back, explained why it hasn't been fixed. Let's hear it. I said it was a few weeks. It really worked. It just had issues Mm -hmm. from the beginning. I believe they stopped running it totally after a year. Okay. So I think they kept trying to make it work, and then it just they ended it. So what they did instead was they put a strobe light on it and a fan. This is called B-mode, and it's to make it look like it's moving when it's not. So instead of reaching out at the cars, it just looks like it's moving. Because of this, some guests have said that they've seen it move. They're like, oh, no, it's definitely moving. Uh-huh. Optical illusion. It's Yeah, I don't. If they saw a move, good for them. We got a whole different set of problems. Yeah. Or that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Joe Brody has been getting asked for years when he was going to fix this Yeti. And finally, at D23, a few years back, he said, you have to understand, it's a giant complicated machine sitting on top of, like, a 46-foot tall tower in the middle of a finished building. So it's really hard to fix, but we are working on it. And we continue to work on it. We have tried several things. None of them quite get to the key turning of a 40-foot tower inside of a finished building. But we are working on it. I will fix the Yeti someday. 
I swear. Okay. He has since retired. <laughs> <laughs> so now people are like, okay, it's never getting fixed. <laughs> the rumors as to why it has not been fixed. Obviously, it's what he said. It's inside of the building. Fun little fact here. The coaster, the mountain, and the Yeti are all built completely separately. That's where that 3D computer system I was talking about earlier came in. Okay. None of them rely on each other. Okay. So the Yeti breaking, like the structural integrity, it's not of the ride as a whole, it's of the Yeti. Yeah, I just, it doesn't seem to me like there's any reason to worry about fixing it because it doesn't take that much away from the ride that it's not moving. So that is a big speculation, is that it could have been fixed, but it's expensive to fix. And it's not taking anything away. It's no harm, no foul. Let's just leave it rather than spend all this money to get it to fix it. So that's a speculation people have made. But according to Joe Verdi, they have been trying to fix it and just couldn't come up with a good solution. So we're going to hope that that's it, that they were trying to fix it. But again, taking it back to the business standpoint, I totally get why they wouldn't. Yeah, especially because it is an older ride and they're worried about making all this new stuff to try to keep up with the times and Mm -hmm. the other expensive rides at other theme parks. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously I just said that they're not touching each other, but they are still in the way of each other. Yeah. Some people speculate that it could take a year closure to be able to move enough stuff around to get to where they need to go. Yeah. And the other thing with that is we said it before. It's not a half-day park. But if you take away Everest from the park, that takes away a big chunk of the park because there's like almost no reason to even go over to that side of the park at that point. Well, there was one point when you and I were trying to figure out where we wanted to go for the one day and it was Animal Kingdom was brought up. But then we realized Expedition Everest was closed. And we were like, mm-hmm. doesn't leave many rides to do. And we picked somewhere else. Because mm-hmm. it just doesn't leave as many options. You close any ride in Animal Kingdom. Yeah. And it does take away the options. Like we said, one of the most beautiful parks to walk around and just take it all in. See the shows, take in the ambiance, and really just enjoy it all. We were there for the rides, though. So. But that's not every- <laughs> that's not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. It's really not. And the rides do make a difference because even mm-hmm. in between just walking around and taking it all in, I want the rides. I'm not paying all that money just yeah. to look at stuff. I'm paying for the full experience, which yep. includes the rides and includes the queue of Everest. Like we said earlier, there is a single rider line. It bypasses the entire queue. Yeah. But – you get on really quick if you go in that Yeah, you almost just don't have to wait most yeah. times. A lot of people don't know it's there because it's not at the same entrance where the yeah. lightning lane and the regular standby queue is. It is over by the store. Yeah, it's to the, the right of the, mm-hmm. the main lines. It's where the test car is if you wanted to test the ride out before you went on it. So – This is one of my favorite attractions. I hope that we remembered everything that we had for you guys in giving you the history of it. I think we got just about everything. I think we did pretty good. If we didn't, though, feel free to reach out to us on socials, email, anything. Let us know. We are at Spill the D Podcast on Instagram. Like I said, feel free to DM us at any time. We'll answer. That's true. (laughs) Usually pretty good with it. Yeah. I I do my best. If you enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear more stuff like this, again, feel free to tell us. We love doing these episodes, the Distory episodes. So if you like these, feel free to let us know. If you like the podcast in general, feel free to leave us some stars on Apple or Spotify. Five stars only, please, because you <laughs> love us uh, and we love you. But again, if you liked it, tell your friends, tell your family, 
leave us some stars. Word of mouth is the best form of advertising, (laughs) right? Yes, it is. Uh, So do that. Leave us some stars. And until next time, we will see you at the castle. You done messed up. (laughs)